Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to Monday's edition of the Football Social Daily. And as another weekend of Premier League action kicks back into gear from tomorrow here on FSD, as always... We are here every single day giving you your daily dose of the latest news, views and reviews from the English top flight. But on today's show, we've got ourselves an FA Cup flavour as we review the late stories from the weekend's fourth round action. In part one, we check in with Leicester as the FA Cup holders were dumped out of the competition by arch-rivals Nottingham Forest. Foxes fans are likely to still be in shock this morning, particularly one of them that we're going to be chatting about later on. And we ask the big, big question, could we be nearing the end of the road for Brendan Rodgers? Part two checks out a Premier League angle on the AFCON final as Sadio Mane edged out his old pal Mo Salah in last night's final. But what does the future hold for the pair on their big return back to Anfield. And then to wrap it up, we have our weekly whinge, Get in the Sea, but it is Get in the Sea FA Cup style, asking the gang what has stuck in their throats from this weekend's fourth round action. Right then, let's get started. Plenty to get through on Monday's show. My name's Fergal, and uh, joining me today, we have one very relieved hammer. It's the boss man, Jim Salverson. Jim, breathe, West Hammer through. Left it late, didn't we? But eventually struggled past the mighty Kettering. Kidderminster. It was Kidderminster. But <laughs> Kidderminster. <laughs> Sorry, people are saying Kettering, but yeah, Kidderminster. Kettering's the team that James Acaster supports, isn't it? Yeah, with his amazing chant, which we won't go into because it takes about 20 minutes to complete. <laughs> yeah. But if you've not seen that, Google it. Well funny. <laughs> In, uh, in case you missed the West Ham result this weekend, it was definitely Kidderminster Harriers that West Ham got yes, past there. Apologies to any Kettering fans, it was definitely Kidderminster. Jim, uh, Jim didn't mean any offence by that. Uh, <laughs> alongside Jim, we also have Mr Monday himself, Marley Anderson. Marley, how's things? Yeah, good. I'm just uh, I'm, I'm thinking about all the Kettering fans that uh, have been listening to this <laughs> podcast for years, thinking they're finally talking about us. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh crap, they meant Kidderminster. <laughs> 
all the catching fans that love Jim being like, oh, he doesn't even know the difference between his. Oh, look at a map. But uh, <laughs> let's not let's not ignite a, let's not ignite a rivalry between the uh, the big K's, Kiddy and, and Kettering. Right, uh, Forest against Leicester. Jim, I'm going to go to you first on this because this was one of the late games from uh, Sunday. We've reviewed all the action from the FA Cup fourth round. Myself, Jay Motti, and Ant McGinley. That podcast is available on our channels. Check it out if you want. But we're going to be talking about the late game, which was which was Forest against Leicester, and a big result for Forest. They've got a hell of a record in the competition this season. Third round, they put out the 2020 winners in Arsenal, unfortunately for me. And then last night, they put out the current holders, Leicester City. Now, I can tell you this from growing up in Leicester. These two hate each other. They absolutely hate mm. each other, Leicester and Forrest. The, the chants were going right the way from the start of the game. Champions of England, you'll never sing that. Champions of Europe, you'll never sing that. The TV cameras, cameras were there. It was absolutely crackling. Brendan Rodgers named a strong team. Looking at the starting eleven, the bulk of them would be Premier League starters for Leicester. And then the same thing happened to Leicester that has been going on all season. A big moment comes along and they just crumbled. 4-1 defeats. Looking at the big stat from them so far this season, they've only won back-to-back Premier League games once. This was a big chance for them. This was an opportunity to go to their rivals, get some you know positivity from their fans by getting a big result, getting through to the last 16, which they should do as the Premier League side against the Championship side. And they just flopped. They were absolutely blown away and Forrest completely deserved to go through. Yeah, I think they did. And much credit to Forrest. I think they seem to have got a speciality this season of overturning lacklustre Premier League teams. They've done Arsenal, they've done Leicester. Thanks very so much. I don't know. As long as they, is it, are Spurs still in the competition for the next round? If they, if they get them at some point, I'm sure they'll do <laughs> them as well. But it was a humbling defeat for Leicester City and it's one of those games that when you have a derby with the ferocity that this does and you're right there is a ferocity about this I used to live in Leicester I used to go and watch Leicester City play quite a lot and between Nottingham Forest and Derby County it was difficult to know who they hated more so there was always going to be a rivalry for this game and if your players can't get up for that kind of game and they can't feed off the energy and the crowd in that kind of scenario then you've really got a question whether they have the hunger in the first place and that's what Brendan Rodgers kind of suggested in his post-match press conference you could tell he was embarrassed and he was hurting and deservedly so because Leicester just didn't really offer anything up in that game that made them look like they were the Premier League team against the championship team and Marley when you look at the situation with Brendan Rodgers and and Jim is right in his post-game press conference he he really went for it it wasn't a a dull yes no three bags full type of press conference I just want to give you some of the some of the quotes from him because it really underlines his message of frustration and how he's kind of sick of certain things that are going on at Leicester at the moment so he said it was an awful performance embarrassing there was a serious lack of hunger our players have to look at themselves in the mirror and prove that they are still good enough to be here a lot of players have to improve right the way across the board it was a shocking performance and I apologise to the fans we needed a physicality and an authority which we lacked the lack of hunger meant we were destabilised and made errors this is not the first time this has happened since I've been here and I was embarrassed too many players think they're top players but they are a long long way off some of them think they've achieved enough and that they can just simply coast from here big words from Rogers. he is absolutely raging and he has a point yeah he does um I think with with Leicester it's like they've they've missed out on Champions League two years in a row and I almost think like it it almost looks like as if they've um they've thought, Oh, you know, we we nearly got there. 
um, we're we're all right being the fifth best team in 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 England, and we'll we'll get there again because we've got there two years in a row. But it doesn't work like that because everybody behind fifth is is spending massively and uh, changing things, changing players, changing managers, whatever it may be. They're changing to get to bridge that gap, and you're seeing that in the you know in the Premier League this year. Leicester are struggling round in tenth, sort of winning one, losing one drawing one, just not really going anywhere fast um, and looking very, very beatable. The defence looks... I mean, Soyuncu's um, level since that amazing debut season is just... like it totally sums Leicester up, really. They've been so poor in this last... Um, like defensively in the last couple of years that, you know, it's it's all getting to them this season and I think Rodgers knows that and he's... What what Leicester had that nobody else had when they were when they were finishing fourth and fifth is that sort of underdog mentality, and like well we're going to crash this party, you try and stop us. Whereas now everybody wants to beat Leicester because they know they're a quality team, and the the squad does seem a little bit well we'll beat these if we turn up and you seen that against Forest from minute minute one, you knew Forest were winning that game even before the game like I was looking at the odds and stuff and Leicester were like evens to win and I was like. That's good value, like three to one for Forest to win at home in this sort of like derby atmosphere after they've just beat Arsenal. It's it's a huge price, um, and it it just played out like that. Like there was only one team ever in it. Leicester were nowhere near Forest in the whole game, um, and it was no surprise to see him, you know, put four past them and and dump them out as as reigning reigning defending champions as well. Do you know what I'd be worried about if I was? a Leicester City fan at the moment is the nature of those comments that Brendan Rodgers made after the game mm. because that isn't that isn't just someone venting after a defeat that is a frustration that his words in those in the dressing room over the last three, four weeks haven't been landing properly. And I do think it calls into question more the future of Brendan Rodgers at Leicester City than it does the future of the players at Leicester City because you can't change 25 people in a squad of football players but you can change your manager and it yeah. sounds to me from those comments that Brendan Rodgers made that sounds like a man who's lost the dressing room is he thinking about the Man United job in the summer maybe potentially I mean he probably maybe. is if whether he, Man United are thinking about him it's a completely different away, question yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if he walks away it might become a straight choice between him and, and possibly Pochettino for, for the United job in the summer maybe if he if he was willing to go there and I think it's not it's not to detract from the job that Brendan Rodgers has done at Leicester City because he has done a fantastic job and the two consecutive fifth places you mentioned Marley that shouldn't be sniffed at because for Leicester City that is a huge achievement the FA Cup is a huge achievement but then at some point and this happens with every manager no matter how good they are unless they're Alec Ferguson and even it happened to him at, at the end of his tenure you could argue you've taken a team you've taken a club as far as you go mm. and a new manager has to come in with new ideas and we talk, we've talked about it so much in terms of the cycle of players and we'll talk about it when we talk about Liverpool and the cycle of their front three and the refresh that's needed there and in that case it does seem like it's a player refreshment rather than a managerial refreshment but sometimes you just need a different voice in the dressing room sometimes you need a new idea a different voice someone else to lift and motivate the players and it, it kind of feels like Brendan Rodgers' time in Leicester is coming to a bit of a halt to me. Before we look at the fifth round, Jim, I just want to ask you just quickly to, to wrap up on Leicester. Is there maybe an identity crisis for Leicester? Because I'm not taking away the, the title win. It, it was an incredible season, 2016. Leicester winning the Premier League is the biggest story in the history of the Premier League, arguably the biggest in the history of English football. And you rightly say that back-to-back fifth places are not to be sniffed at. They just missed out on the Champions League both time rounds. And 
there was kind of a sense that Rodgers was given a bit of a hall pass because they were kind of just squeezed out by United in both of those seasons. Mm. But Leicester arguably don't really have a natural resting place in the Premier League because winning the league wasn't a fluke. I would never say that. That would be disingenuous. They deserved it. And the two fifth-place finishes, they probably, certainly in one of them, deserved to get Champions League, but they didn't. Because of all those things being thrown into the pot, the fact that they're 10th in the Premier League, they're now out of the FA Cup, they're out of the EFL Cup, they're still in the Europa auto windscreens, whatever you call it. <laughs> but there's, there is this position that we don't really know where their home is in the Premier League. And that uncertainty is only deepening the issues surrounding Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, I think that's fair. They're in a transitional period, aren't they? And I think, again, it's something that every club goes through as they try and grow and try and establish. They've been through that period where they've been the plucky underdogs and they've won the Premier League against the odds and they've picked up the FA Cup, etc., etc. But they've wanted to step it up a gear and they've done that via bringing in some fantastic players via their recruitment that we've praised many times before and they've brought in a manager whose status is further higher above previous managers and that step up that step up from mid-table Aston Villa and West Ham and Crystal Palace and Leeds that step up from there to being that regular top four top five team is a huge step and I think the expectations of the fans changes as well because they don't just expect results on the pitch they don't just expect a bit of silverware every now and again or a European qualification. They expect a different brand of football as well. And that seems to be where Leicester are at the moment. They, they want to take that step up, but they just don't quite have the quality available to them to make that step up and be a permanent fixture within that top four, top five. Right, let's have a look at the fifth round. So Forrest, we know by beating Leicester, became the 15th team to qualify for the last 16. But an arguably bigger story was the qualification of the 16th team. Boreham Ward, 1-0 win away at Bournemouth. We can't go through the podcast without mentioning this. National League side getting through to the fifth round. They're now the lowest ranked team and they've been rewarded with a trip to Everton uh, next time round. So Marley, I want to just ask you in terms of the fifth round draw, looking at some of the names, rivals are going to look at City and say they've got themselves another easy draw and they go to Peterborough in the next round but there's two all Premier League uh, ties that have been pulled out of the hat there is going to be some interesting matchups here Liverpool and City are still in terms of the bookies strongly fancy to one of them go on and win it what's the pick for you there could be a dark horse that emerges from the pack who have you been impressed with there based on the fourth round Uh, I'm impressed with Forrest obviously um but I think it'd be the most Nottingham Forest thing ever to now go out to Huddersfield <laughs> in the next round. Seriously, I honestly would would put money on on Huddersfield knocking them out. Um, I think the the pick of the ties is is Boreham Wood after after doing uh, doing Bournemouth. You know, um, going to to Everton would be huge for them. Um, and I did see that uh, one of their players, whose name I've totally forgot, um, was wearing. A, a a white Everton shirt with uh, Tony Hibbert on the back under under his Boreham Wood shirt or in the dressing room whatever because he's a massive Everton fan, so I just I feel like for him like that's just like the the culmination of his career it's absolute pinnacle of his career like he's gonna go to the team he supports um, and play against them for his you know part time Boreham Wood team um, and. Yeah, that's what the FA Cup's all about. Because up until the the draw, I mean, when the draw was made, it was just it. There's not a, there's not really a standout game in it for me. I think it's all cut and dry and very boring and and not really much to get excited about. Um, 
but with Boreham Wood going through, I think that's the one that should be on TV and all the rest of it, and we can uh, we can have a, watch them have a go at uh, Everton in a couple of weeks. Jim, your boys West Ham have got themselves Southampton away. It's one of two all Premier League ties in the fifth round. I'm looking through this, and you can generally kind of pick a favourite in in almost every game. And strangely, Southampton West Ham for me is the one that I can't. Is this by proxy the the pick of the round because you actually can't pick a winner? Both of them needed extra time to get through uh, the weekend, and this will be a tight one for West Ham. I think it's probably one of the most uninteresting ties of that little selection, isn't it? For, I mean, it's one of those games that you see countless times every single season, so it's not that exciting. I mean, I don't know what to expect from West Ham at the moment. Who would have said that they needed the 94th and the 121st minutes at the weekend to get past a team that was, I think, 120 places below them in the football league? So if they play like that against Southampton, obviously Southampton are going to win, but that said, I think this is a competition that David Moyes wants to take seriously. There will undoubtedly be some players bought in for the FA Cup games that you'd imagine were first team regulars during the Premier League because it's just not a priority. I think the Europa League and the Premier League campaign are way and above what the FA Cup will insignificance to uh, David Moyes this season. But I'm kind of I'm a little bit meh about it at the moment. The fifth round of the FA Cup, it doesn't really get exciting until the next round, does it? Quarterfinals, that's when you start to get excited. But I think if you're looking for an upset, Middlesbrough Tottenham. I think Tottenham are one of those teams that could go... They'll either go on and win it under Conte this season or they'll get knocked out by Borough. And I thought Borough... <laughs> Playing on Friday night against Manchester United, it was a, like a, it was exactly the performance you'd expect a Chris Wilder team against Manchester United to put in. It was like rearguard action. It was hard battling, and they dragged that result over the line. And I can see them doing something very similar to Tottenham as well at the moment. I think I think that might be one that's interesting to look out for. Hey, Jim's Jim's bold prediction: uh, Spurs will either win it or they won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, <they're> like, <laughs> that's what you, that's what you listen to the podcast for, guys. That's what that's what people yeah. tune in to listen to. Jim's uh, Jim's insightful uh, positions. <laughs> Jim, I have to ask: even if this game is not that exciting, Southampton against West Ham. If West Ham do win, particularly if it's a dramatic late one again, will you be cracking out the Declan Rice dance? Have you been practicing it at home? <laughs> well, well, it was. It's not really Declan Rice's dance, is it? It was more Michael Jackson's dance, kind of interpreted by Declan Rice but um, my, my son was very impressed with that he likes a good goal celebration so he was uh, very interested in what Rice was so doing. much so he went to Man City next day and watched them yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, Crystal Palace as my pick I think I mentioned it on the, the review show at the weekend Michael Elise for me has been the player of the tournament so far he's had an assist in both games and a goal in both games and he just has bit of swagger about him where he could just tear a team to bits Stoke in the next round and if they avoid Liverpool or City I think they could maybe not go on and win it it's difficult to look past Liverpool or City in terms of winners but I think if they get a nice draw in the quarters I think they could be definitely one to watch and uh, that's it that's my pick probably not the most exciting just like you guys so uh, right we're going to take a quick break after the break we're talking AFCON and Liverpool Sadio Mane and Mo Salah have packed their bags and they are on their way home unfortunately for Mo Salah Sadio Mane is the one with a medal round his neck but Premier League defences be warned because Mo Salah is likely to be like a bear with a sore head when he lands back in England. All that to come in just a second. Football's Social Daily Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Monday edition. We are talking FA Cup in part one and in part three, but in part two, we're taking ourselves a little quick break and talking about the AFCON final. Senegal are the new kings of Africa. First ever time Senegal have won the AFCON and Big, big shout to Sadio Mane for an absolute pair of stones in the final. Missed the penalty in normal time and then stepped up to take the decisive spot kick to put Senegal on the path to glory. So, Jim, Salah and Mane are both now heading back. We don't know when they're going to be catching their planes. Hopefully they're not getting Ryanair back to Liverpool. As someone who frequently uses Liverpool <laughs> Airport, I really hope that they're not getting a, a Ryanair straight back from Cameroon. I hope they're getting something a bit more streamlined so that they're back in business for Liverpool. Um we all know that before they left for AFCON, the big story was how will Liverpool get on? How will they survive? And talks of a great demise or a great collapse were exaggerated. They've won five, drawn one. They've reached the EFL Cup final. They're still doing well in the Premier League. They're still in the hunt for the title. Technically, they're still in the hunt for a quadruple. That's, that's a big season. technically so that. They've survived <laughs> without... <laughs> yeah, well, technically, technically, that's that's why I put that little caveat in. Um, they survived. They've, they've done absolutely fine. And now Mane and Salah are back and, and back in business. But in terms of the future for Salah and Mane and Roberto Firmino at Liverpool, if you rewind 18 months to when they won the league, those three players were absolutely synonymous with, with everything that Liverpool were doing well. And the idea that one of them might be sold would be absolutely crazy for Liverpool fans. But you fast forward to now... All three of them are out of contract in 2023 and they're all in very different situations. Salah has made his position very clear. He wants this big wage increase, if reports are to be believed, in and around 300000 a week. Sadio Mane also wants an increase. Roberto Firmino's hand's probably been weakened by the fact that Diogo Jota's edging him out in, in Klopp's starting eleven so far this season. So I wanted to ask you how they do this because Klopp has to get this absolutely right. Luis Diaz has come in and there's a lot of talk that he's a plan for the future, that maybe they're prepared to let either Mane or Salah go. Fabio Carvalho from Fulham is another target. They didn't get it done in January. They're probably going to revisit it in the summer. Klopp can't rip it up and start again, but he does have some massive decisions to make. And if the club are not willing to finance Salah's contract, as incredible as it's been, he and potentially Mane could be on their way out. Yeah, and I think this has been something that's 
been in the pipeline for a while and it's certainly been in Jurgen Klopp's head in terms of the recruitment the club have done and you mentioned Diego Jota has been an excellent signing for them Minamino less so but he was clearly brought in with the intention of being a backup for Salah and Mane and potentially a replacement for them as well I think what Liverpool fans will have seen while these two have been on the AFCON um, is that they can live life without them. They can cope without Salah and Mane and that will give them hope that when the sticking plaster is ripped off, when one of them or both of them does leave, there will be a future afterwards. It is going to be difficult because they are two superb players and it's not possible to easily replace two of the best players in the Premier League, certainly as far as Salah's concerned, his form at the early part of the season, he was one of the best in the world. So it is going to be difficult to replace them, but at the same time it is possible. And clearly Liverpool, with the signings you've just listed, have that in their head. They are looking for the next front three, the next incarnation of their attacking force. But it, it will be tricky for them. And I think one thing we know about Liverpool as well is they're relatively sensible finance-wise. So they won't be held to ransom over a massive contract for Salah. They will, if they feel they're not getting a fair deal out of the situation, they will let him leave. They will let him move on. Marley, when you look at this position, Diaz has come in, Jota is already in the team and performing well, Carvalho might get revisited or, or potentially there's another target for Liverpool this summer. Does this hint to you that FSG have had a word in Jurgen Klopp's ear and just said, as Jim mentioned there, we're not funding this contract. The sums don't add up based on Salah's wages, where we anticipate he'll be in two, three, four seasons' time. Mane in a similar position. Obviously, he doesn't quite have the same profile as, as Salah within the team and within the footballing world. Do you think this is an idea that quietly these conversations have already been had? There's a line that they're willing to go to with Salah, but they're not willing to cross. And that's what Salah wants. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, I don't think Salah is asking for anything, you know, too much. Like sometimes when, you know, when you, you hear about players' contract renewals, they want wages that are way beyond how good they are. Um, but Salah, for me, it's on 200 grand ish a week which is a good way pocket money. He, yeah he, i mean he obviously he's he's not scrimping or anything but the guy is literally the best footballer on the planet right now there is no one better there you could argue people are as good um but as of right now he's the best player on the planet and he's worth whatever he wants to be worth like 300 grand a week is not a lot of money for the best player in the world so if you're you know mm. if, if you were going to sign somebody who's in the running for the Ballon d'Or and in that conversation for for best player in the world, you'd you'd expect to pay half a million a week. That's how silly wages are now. So for Salah to say, I want 300 grand, it's my last big contract of, of my career probably, um, I think that's fair enough. And I, I think Liverpool would be absolutely stupid to let him, um, to, to be too stubborn for this and to let him go for it. So... Um, I think they should pull the fingers out and start putting as much uh, effort into running Liverpool Football Club as they do with Boston Red Sox or whatever it is or whoever they whoever they own in, in the in the baseball American football world whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't see the issue that they see if I'm honest. Um, yes, they can sign players and sign new players and and what have you, they're, they're big enough to attract new a new front three if that's what they want, but 
I don't think I don't think the time's come when Salah's sort of on the turn. Um, I think he deserves a contract he, he's asking for. He's probably not in the top ten, is he? In terms of wage earners in no. football, when you think about Neymar's no, on four hundred and fifty and. Messi, like Messi's on close to a million a week or something ridiculous, isn't he? I mean, yeah. he should be in that top ten. He, he'll feel he, like he deserves it. As greedy as it feels, like demanding more than two hundred thousand pound a week, <laughs> yeah. it's I kind of that's where football is. So, if you looked at Man United, I'd say there's at least three or four at Man United that are on more than him. Yeah, Pogba, De Gea, uh, definitely are. Um, Pr- Bruno's probably on more than him, um, and probably Harry Maguire is as well. So. You know, are any of them for better than Mo Salah in, in terms of what they bring to the team? No, absolutely not. So, Jim, looking at the situation with, with Liverpool, if this is a sums question, if you ask Jurgen Klopp what does he want to do, he would want to keep them. They're, they're absolutely essential to to his plans, what he's done at Liverpool, and probably what he has planned for the short to <clears throat> short to medium medium term future. But there's also the possibility that FSG come back to him and say you can only keep one of them. Salah's contract is so big that. To keep Salah, you're probably going to have to get rid of Firmino and maybe Mane. Would that be an acceptable compromise? Luis Diaz has come in. Carvalho, as I mentioned, they might go back for. They also have Jota, Minamino. Probably not really up to it, but you know you don't know what the future holds. If that is put forward to Klopp as a as a compromise, almost collateral damage of keeping Salah, that you have to let Mane go. Would that be an acceptable position? Because yes, these wages that he's demanding, as as Marley says in the what wider picture of world football he's only really putting him on par with some of his rivals would that be an acceptable position for Klopp to then maybe go I don't like this but this is the only way I can keep the best player in the world yeah and I think that probably is the sensible approach isn't it because if you look at Liverpool you go can they still win or can they still compete for the Premier League without Mane yes can they still compete for the Premier League without Firmino yes can they still compete for the Premier League without Salah Mm, not 100% sure. Potentially, yeah, they have got some great players and they've got good squad depth, but he is the icing of the cake. He's the player that elevates them every time he steps on the pitch. So he is the one you've got to be really careful from removing from that situation. And I, I, I think you're probably right. I think we probably are seeing the end of the other two players before we see Mohamed Salah follow. And as Marley says, they would be stupid not to give him the money. But... Mm. Who knows what they've got planned, but it, it would feel like almost suicidal to offload all three at the same time. It would feel like a massive gaping hole that you're leaving in that squad, which would be really difficult to replace. Whereas if you do it incrementally, one position, two positions at a time, that feels like a more manageable situation. Uh, before we take a break and move on to getting the C in part three, we're going to do a quick crystal ball before we uh, before we break. Marley, we'll go to you first. All of these are out of contract in 2023. So when the first ball is kicked uh, in 23-24, which sounds like some sort of dystopian future, what will Liverpool's front three be? <laughs> uh, Jota, Diaz and Javi Elliott. <laughs> well, all three going. Ooh, yeah. Okay. No, well, I don't know. Wow, okay. Well, that's... like, if they've not, I'm, uh, no, no, no. If that's well, what you maybe think, yeah. If it. they've not sorted the the Salah contract out now, are they? You know, what is he? What is he? Mm. What more has he got to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? It feels like yeah. it's coming to an end where only one of the parties wants to actually, um, like, knows what they want. Jim, would you go as bold as Marley? All three out. Get rid of them. Yesterday's news. Get get gone. Get lost. Um, I'd agree with two. I think we might see Salah still hanging around 
maybe maybe there'll be a extension I, I don't know it but yeah the warning signs are there that they haven't sorted out the contract yet what exactly are they waiting for but I, I think there's a real genuine interest from Liverpool in Jared Bowen as mm. well um, so I think potentially if they come knocking on West Ham's door with the right offer there he could be featuring for Liverpool in that dystopian <laughs> Liverpool future squad as well uh, I can't really call this I'm not brave enough to go with all three so I'm going to go just to be awkward I'm going to go Mane uh, I'm going to go with Salah ask for too much money Liverpool tell him to get gone and with the bit of money <clears throat> that they've got left over they keep Mane so I'm going to go Mane Diaz and Jota with um, Jared Bone on the bench and Harvey Elliott on the bench that's that's going to be my pick for uh, <laughs> for the crazy world that is 23-24 uh, I can't even say it right that's how that's how strange it sounds right we are going to call it there for part two and grab another quick break after the break we are getting in the sea or rather we are throwing stuff in the sea from the FA Cup fourth round our weekly whinge about all things football we'll be back in just a second Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily. As always, here on FSD, we are here every single day with a daily Premier League podcast. If you hit subscribe, you can get access to that brand new episode as soon as it is ready. Right, we've been through the FA Cup fourth round. We've talked about Sadio Mane and Mo Salah and and what their futures at Liverpool might hold. So we're going to go with something a bit more relaxed to wrap up the show, Jim and Marley Air. Regular listeners to the Monday show will know that we've scrapped the winners and losers section because apparently that was too positive for a Monday we wanted losers and losers Uh, so we've gone with a new feature called get in the sea which is basically the lads opportunity to pick up something that has really really bugged them over the weekend and just lash it straight in the sea now Marley I'm going to let you get warmed up because I know you've got a good one Jim you're itching to give us your one so from the FA Cup fourth round what are you throwing in the sea Glenn Hoddle get in the sea Glenn Hoddle (laughs) For having a go at Deli Ali, so Deli Ali made his, what's it made his unveiling? Is that the right terminology? He was unveiled yep. <laughs> at Everton at the weekend in the FA Cup game. It was him and Van der Beek both stepped onto the pitch and applauded the fans and did all the things that new signings tend to do in these situations, which was fine. But then Glenn Hoddle decided to have a go at Deli Ali for looking like something that had just walked off the street was his criticism. Which he probably had done. Delhi he because walked off the street into Goodison Park. Well, 
Yeah, as most people tend to do. They do walk off the streets. Um, but he, I mean, it just, it, it kind of, it had echoes of Graham Sooners having a go at Paul Pogba, basically, for his haircuts and not concentrating on his football because he dared to wear a woolly hat, some what look like incredibly expensive jeans. I I don't know what kind of make they are, but they look expensive and some trainers. And it's just out of touch old man has a go at young footballer for the way he looks because he doesn't understand it. It was just reeked of that. And I think we've got to a place in football where surely it doesn't matter how you dress or how you appear or what haircut you have or (laughs) even to a certain extent what you do with your money it should be about personal expression and personal choice and it doesn't even matter whether that person's performing on the pitch because the jeans they wear aren't a distraction to the way they play football and I think it's time that the older pundits of this generation kind of get their head around that a little bit that just because someone isn't wearing a shirt and tie or wearing a suit to a match or dressing or in the way that you would have dressed in your age doesn't mean that they are distracted from their game or deserve criticism and if there's anyone that deserves a clean break it's Deli Ali. he does need that kind of fresh sheet yeah. that fresh start at Everton to kind of fulfil his potential so let's not shoot him down with criticism about wearing a woolly hat before he's even kicked a ball uh, and I think the only acceptable response to Glenn Hoddle in this is if there, anyone ever spots Glenn Hoddle ro- walking down the street, and Jim, you should go for this, you should just say to him, look at you, walking down the street, wearing clothes. <laughs> Who do you think you are, Glenn? And just uh, and just see how he responds to that. Let's not forget that Glenn Hoddle appeared on Top of the Pops wearing a white suit alongside Chris Waddle exactly. with the sleeves rolled up to his elbows <laughs> to sing a pop song. <laughs> I mean, if, if there's anyone who shouldn't be throwing around fashion advice, it is probably Glenn Hoddle. Yeah. Marley, so Jim's gone for a kind of fashion-themed old man shouts at cloud uh, one from this weekend. <laughs> what uh, what are you going with as your, uh, as your bugbearer from the fourth round? Yeah, just just on that, I think the only time a footballer should be criticised for wearing jeans is if he's playing in the jeans. Like if he runs out on a Saturday and he hasn't got shorts on, he's got jeans on underneath and flipping loafers or something. Um, yeah, so um, Hoddle can get in the sea, but uh, somebody for me, I don't know his name, um, but I'm sure you'll all that's always a good start. Have, have seen him over the weekend. It's the uh, Portly Leicester fan that ran on to the, fi- the, the field at, uh, at the city ground at, at Nottingham Forest and decided to punch um, the Forest players as they were trying to celebrate their, their fourth goal, I think it was. Um, I've had beef with anyone coming on the pitch. He looks like he uh, had some beef as well, to be fair. He, he, has got, he looks more portly than beef. portly. I think you could go with either of those for him. <laughs> Absolutely. He was uh, a yeah, big lad. Um, but yeah, I hate people coming onto the pitch in in any case, whether it's a five-year-old kid who wants a shirt and it, this is even worse because like, this was genuinely dangerous. Like mm. He ran onto the pitch and physically made contact as well like he punched a, a Nottingham Forest player before being dragged away um, by stewards who who've always got a, a hard job stewards but I always um, I always wonder how they got on the pitch in the first place Like, they, they, look at the size of the guy he's not exactly frigging Mo Farah or Usain Bolt is he? he's going to take a while to wedge himself out of that chair <laughs> stumble over the advertising hoarding so surely you could have got to him first if you if you know what you're doing as a steward but Look, it's in in seriousness. Like that could have been really dangerous. He could have had, 
you know, you don't get searched on the way into football grounds, do you, these days? He could he could have had a, a, a flick knife, he could have had a, anything on him. It could have been really dangerous. Uh, and I hate that um, about football. I, I, I don't... I love I love football. It's, it's, you know, grew up with it, watched it all my life and all the rest of it. But it, I would never even dream of trying to get on the pitch. Like, being so annoyed with anything that I went onto the pitch and tried to strike an opposition player. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's so far removed from any sane thought that I could never even contemplate it. Like, how little have you got ongoing in your life that that is, I'm, well, I'll say what, I'm going to do this Sunday night. I'm going to go and punch a Forest player. Like, if anyone, if you're going to go and anyone, <laughs> go punch someone who, on your team that's been crap for... 67 minutes and you no, no, just 4 don't, one don't, down don't go punch anyone <laughs> don't punch anyone yeah go and punch yourself I don't know but I yeah of... he can get in the sea and they, there'd be no water left in the sea if you dropped him in the sea from a great height the fat fat idiot <laughs> I've got yeah, to punch, yeah, the punching the waves punching the fish negativity in football is something that winds me up a little bit anyway and you're right this is the extreme someone getting so angry they need to go and punch the opposition player is ridiculous and rightly he has had a lifetime ban. He is now banned from every Leicester City match and I assume every football match forever, uh, which is the right thing to do. But I was, as you said earlier, I went to Manchester City this weekend. My eight-year-old son, we live in Manchester. He's decided he's a Manchester City fan rather than the pain of being a West Ham fan. So I took him to Manchester City, his first game at the weekend. And there was a bloke sitting next to me who probably around 60 years old. So he'd clearly seen Manchester City through the years. He probably remembers them at Main Road. He probably remembers them in the lower divisions. And just the whole way through the 90 minutes of football, he was being negative and aggressive to what was happening on the pitch like every time Jack Grealish got the ball he was like oh we didn't pay a hundred million pounds for that and it's just people who just bring negativity to a football match he says during a feature which is all about moaning about something that's happened in a weekend of football but it's just it, the people it's like have a bit of perspective about your the, the game and have a bit of perspective about life as well it's like it it means a lot to us so it's not it's only a game because it is more than a game to so many people and rightly so but come on have a little bit of perspective is it really worth getting that angry about and it is it, it just kind of it just kind of buys into as you say this idea that you can see particularly when you stand in the in the in the stands and you're watching the game you can see the anger start to rise up in certain fans and you just think is it really worth it whatever you're about to do next do us all a favor and and just just don't do it. Uh, and that hopefully was uh, a bit of advice that will be banded around Premier League grounds uh, in the next few weeks. My pick uh, does have a Man City theme as well, Jim. I'm going for Pep Guardiola and his needless, pointless, excessive praise <laughs> of opposition and opposition managers. I'm just going to read you a quick quote of what he had to say about Marco Silva at the weekend. City battered Fulham. Top of the Premier League against top of the Championship. 4-1. Stroll in the park. City through to the next round. Pep Guardiola's press conference after the game was basically a homily to Marco Silva. I'm very pleased with what Marco is doing. I'm really impressed and have been for a long time. I've watched a few games this season of Fulham and I've been really impressed with the way that they play. Now I'm putting that school teacher voice on because that's how it sounds to me when Pep Guardiola says these things. Pep, listen, you're a fantastic manager. You're probably the best manager in the world. Everybody knows that you know your stuff and everyone knows that you know how to spot a player. And yes, it is a little bit of a confidence boost when you grab Nathan Redmond in for a little chat. But Pep, 
nobody needs this week after week. <laughs> it's getting weird. This weird praise of, of managers and players and teams. You do not need to do it because now it's reaching the point of being condescending. It used to look relatively kind of genuine that you would pick out a certain player or pick out a performance and praise them. Because then when you lose and you go on the opposite uh, rant, mm. we know that you probably don't really mean this because you're actually annoyed that you've lost a game. So, Pep, my pledge to you this weekend, please just stop this. You don't need to do it. Everybody respects what you have to say on football. This is just strange, strange behaviour because it's just over the top. It's praise layered with praise. It's like a praise trifle that he's throwing around. It's just absolutely unnecessary. And it just it just kind of belittles whoever they're playing. And they're playing Premier League teams the bulk of the time. Premier League teams and managers don't need to hear this. They've got other things on, like trying to stay in the Premier League or trying to push for Europe. They're not as fortunate as you, Pep, to have a huge amount of money and resources available that you can just, you know, batter them, pick up three points and say, oh, well done, well done. So, yeah, that's my that's my weekly rant. Uh, Pep Guardiola lashed straight in the sea. Just stop being, just stop going on, Pep. That's that's what I would say. Just cut your press conferences. It's just an ego thing, isn't it? From his point of view, it's just stroke. Yeah, just stroking yeah. his own ego and going, I'm important, yeah. so I can give you praise. But at the same time, I think everything he delivers, like you never quite know whether it's sincere or not, because exactly. he'll praise a referee in exactly the same way, or praise an opposition manager. It's all deadpan. It's all, oh, I am so happy. Oh, you should be so happy. We are so happy. It's always the same thing. That was that was a great Pep impression, by the way. Yeah, that was the best one I've heard this week. Yeah. Yeah. Like Pep, listen, what you are, it was that was that was actually very good. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, you you should start doing his press conferences, Jim. You should start doing you should start doing a slightly more negative press conference, and then I would be uh, I'd be absolutely delighted. So that's my weekly rants. You guys have thrown yours into the pot or into the sea, uh, as the feature goes. Get into the sea. We're going to wrap it up for uh, Monday's show, Jim Marley. As always, on a cold, windy Monday morning. Thanks so much for your time. Cheers, Virgil. No worries. Cheers. Great stuff, guys, indeed. And as always, as you know, regular listeners to the FSD podcast. If you hit subscribe, you can get access to a brand new podcast every single day. The Premier League kicks back into gear tomorrow night and the team will be here right the way through the week, previewing and reviewing all of the action to come. So don't miss out and we'll speak to you again very, very soon. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.